ManaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. Welcome to another episode of Top 8 Magic. I'm Brian David Marshall, and I am joined by Hall of Famer Zvi Moshowitz. And Zvi, we've got a new set coming out in a couple weeks. We are going back to Zendikar, Zendikar Rising. So we know lands are going to matter. We know um, there'll be an adventure theme, and, and we, we, we know a lot of the cards already. Yeah, something, something, Uro Titan of Nature's Wrath. <laughs> So uh, let's just let's just start walking through. We we're, we're really just talking about. Let's just talk mostly about mares, rares and mythics. Um, and we'll start with uh, it, this is everything that's been spoiled as of Thursday. Uh, what month is this already? September, September third. So uh, that's and we're working from the official. These are the cards that have been released so far. So. Angel of Destiny is the first card, and it is a mythic three white white for an angel cleric, two six. Interesting stats. Uh, flying double strike. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, you and that player gain that much life. At the beginning of your end step, if you have at least 15 life more than your starting life total, each player, Angel of Destiny, attacked this turn loses the game. This card is... Walk me through this, V. What's going on here? So my understanding is it's 2-6 double strike, so effectively a 4-6 flyer with some optionality. Okay. And now, instead of attacking your opponent for damage, you attack them to gain life, right? Because you gain life and they gain life and they take damage. So they gain life and they take damage, which means that they stay at the same life total. Unless they die instantly, but assuming they get the tr- assuming the trigger works, right? You will keep them at the same life total, and therefore you will use it to try and get to thirty five. And when you get to thirty five, assuming you're not playing some weird format, you start higher than twenty, then they lose the game. Assuming you can attack them, and it's two six flying, so chances are low they can actually kill this when it attacks. So it's pretty yeah. safe to attack on the last turn, regardless of the situation. The problem, of course, is it's five mana for a four-six flyer that now <laughs> is really awkward in many ways. Uh, the question is, are there going to be situations in which you say to yourself, okay, if I can just turn the corner and effectively give lifelink to everybody, am I just completely safe? Can I no longer die because of the way your deck is constructed? And now I just win the game, even if it takes a while. Right, yeah. this, comes down, this comes down right away. All your creatures have lifelink. You have a very strong blocker in the air. But cards like this historically have done very poorly. Sure. Right? Yes. Like things, things of this nature should be assumed to be terrible until proven otherwise. <laughs> it's a very interesting card in limited, though. Yeah. It's also, I mean, it's all played any historic. People love. They love the, you know, um, Soul Sisters type decks, right? They love, nothing more they love than starting out with a Soul Warden and then playing in a Johnny's Pride Mate and playing, you know, that 
even you know they just all the time uh, I run into that deck and sometimes they just gain a ton of life and you can't kill them before they just do their thing right it feels pretty this is this is a card that sort of uh, fits really nicely into that deck. I mean, what is their thing right that's always the question right if their thing is just gain a lot of life and hope that you're trying to damage them in a way that doesn't scale <laughs> then sure if your thing was going to be, you know, ultimate to fairy five and then exile all of their permanents, uh, all you have to do is make sure the angel destiny never attacks. <laughs> they can get as much life as they want. It doesn't right. matter. Right. And it's not that hard to do. So it's, it's a question. Like, does this help? Because five men is a lot of mana. Like, that deck does stall the game a bit. And what, it gets everything double triggers, and you might already be at 35. But it does have to attack, so they have a turn to remove your... So this is definitely a card. This is 100% a card you're going to see at Friday Night Magic Constructed, right? People are going to love this card. They're going to build with this card. They're going to want to play with this card. Yeah, I'm very happy the card exists. I'm not sure why we gave it double strike. (laughs) Why isn't this just a 4-6, right? It just seems like I'm pretty opposed to the modern philosophy of cramming as many words as possible into the text box as opposed to as few words as possible into the text box. Right. You could have saved two words and just changed the number. And, and also just one less level of confusion, right? Like, you had to do a double take because there were just too many things going on in this card. Your brain was like, what? Yeah. Yeah, the double strike feels like it's somehow supposed to be... It's like a red herring, right? Like, this card is a puzzle you want to solve. And double strike feels like a clue. Right, maybe... It's, you, just, it's just not. Well, maybe you can, if you pump it up, suddenly you're gaining, you know, lots and lots of life, maybe is the goal. Sure. Maybe it's sure. like, well, we were playing and then someone accidentally hit you for hit someone for four and killed them, so we gave a double strike and split it up so they wouldn't accidentally die if they were at four when you play this? Or something really weird? Right, like the, the initial double strike like prevent like means it doesn't really play nicely with the one shot kill in some way. It's it's a bizarre situation. I I think it's a cool card to exist. People will have fun with it. And it's not gonna break anything. Okay. So yeah, again. I, I, I don't. I don't think this. Right. I don't think this card is any danger of going into the Pro Tour cube anytime soon. But uh, but I, I certainly think this is a card people are going to have a lot of fun with, and probably a card you'll see in Commander. And like you said, you know, a pretty powerful card to open up at the pre-release. Yeah, and if someone has a cube with this in it, it's probably a fun cube. <laughs> it's just not the Pro Tour cube. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. So Archon of Ameria. This card. Uh, Maybe a little more likely to see play. 2W for a 2-3 Archon, rare. Flying. Each player can't cast more than one spell each turn. And non-basic lands your opponent's control enter the battlefield tapped. Yeah, I wish this wasn't just in this spot to get killed by Illuminate. Right. And Heartless Act. And everything else. Like Glass Casket, etc. Like right now we have a lot of hate for three or less casting cost. And yeah. that means that a three drop is exactly where you don't want to be with your hate bear. Right? You'd wish this cost two or four in some sense and like had appropriate stats to prevent that from happening. Right. Uh, and like in particular, if two mana removes the three mana card that makes their land come into play tap, then it's not gonna do the thing you want it to do. <laughs> right? It's just never quite gonna do what you want. Yeah, and, and, and both of those cards that you've mentioned, Eliminate and Heartless Active, just become ubiquitous tools in 
any deck that's running black right now, right? Like, they're just everywhere. Yeah, and, like, the red cards that people like to remove things with generally do three damage, so these, and those decks don't care anyway. But the other problem is just these two abilities kind of work against each other, right? You slow down their mana, and then so they only can, you can only play one spell. Well, right. okay. But a lot of cards, you know, instants let them play on your turns. They can still cast two spells every cycle, the kind of decks that you're actually going to care about stopping them from playing lots of cards for the most part. Right. So you're trying to stop like a mono red deck from playing multiple cards or something, but those decks, by the time this hits, you know, it's not going to be that big a deal. They can act on your turn. They can kill it. I'm trying to find the use case for this is actually going to do the trick. And the good news is, though, that a lot of decks will see the lands in a minute are going to be playing almost no basics in the new world. Right. They're, right. Yeah, this... Basic lands are an endangered species in Zendikar. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. All right. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, you know, segueing from species, uh, party is one of the mechanics in this set, very flavorful, kind of top-down design. Um, you know, you'll see a lot of cards reference your party, and a party consists of up to one each of cleric, rogue, warrior, and wizard. Um, so we're playing we're playing gauntlet, and uh, multiple. You know, you've seen people posting their their fantasy parties. You know, online on Twitter. You know, picking their favorite uh, character of each of those types from Magic history. But uh, but right now, if you assemble your party. You get bonuses, and if you and you reduce costs and do all sorts of stuff. So very flavorful Zendikar mechanic in the tradition that we've come to see from this uh, this plane. Archpriest yeah. of Iona is W for a star two, uh, and its power is equal to the number of creatures in your party. So it starts off as a one two, with just uh, the archpriest in play. And then at the beginning of combat on your turn, if you have a full party, target creature gets plus one, plus one, and gains flying until end of turn. So I don't think we're playing Gauntlet. I think we're very, very clearly playing Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> right? So, and I'm so old, I call it Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, no matter what edition we're playing. Because, <laughs> but we're going to the Forgotten Realms. Right. So... Are we seeing this twice? Because if we have a party mechanic and then we don't have it in the Forgotten Realms, that's just a crime against the entire game, right? Like, that's just the worst thing ever. So I have to assume we're going to see more of this later this year. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it's just, I think it's actually a really cool mechanic. Um, and I'm curious to see if it's something that they can do with other obviously party is very iconic right and 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 it it you immediately understand what it is the first time it's explained to you um i'm wondering if this is something that they can do with other types of you know collective nouns of characters i'm not sure how many will be as iconic as this right. will hit as hard as this this like, just feels really good, even if mechanically it's really awkward. Like, it's if you just did this generically with 
random things, it would be a terrible mechanic, right? This hits because it's the party. And we can all use a party right about now, right? Like we've been <laughs> locked down for how many months? And we all want to go on an adventure. And this just seems like exactly what we need right now. I'm kind of sad that you, as the Planeswalker, can never join the party. Right. 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 You can't become one of these types somehow and count. Right? Like, just the way it's worded just cuts that off. And, like, just little things like, you know, I'm trying to be a little kid. And I just enjoy the process. The only time they've ever done a card like that really is Form of the Dragon. Where you you know you became you became a dragon. I wonder if there's like a way to do, you know, a form of the DM card. Yeah, but also your planeswalkers, right? Like while we're talking flavor, like I'm looking at this Jace Mirror Mage on the line, which we'll talk about in a bit. But like, Jace is a wizard. Why is he not in the party? Because he's <laughs> no fun. He never parties, right? Like that doesn't explain why this isn't a cleric, right? right. Like <laughs> so. I'm not sure. I I really like I really like it in theory. Um, a lot of the cards seem like they're reaches, right? Like just to overall having two creatures in play is already asking a lot in Magic the Gathering when you cast a spell or do something. Right. Having you know three or four different types of creature in play when almost nobody is more than one of them is really harsh. Right. So I'm pretty skeptical that cards like this are going to make it. So, so let's start. Let me ask you about a common card that's in black as, and what you think of this. So Deadly Alliance. I mean, it's a common. So it doesn't, there's not a big expectation on it. But 4B instant. This spell costs one less to cast for each creature in your party. Destroy target creature or planeswalker. So destroy target creature or planeswalker. Right, BB1. Right, we all know what that's supposed to cost. So yeah. it costs three. So the question becomes, can we get this down to three on average when you need it to? Because like a lot of the time you need it to cost three is like turn three. Right, when it's very, very hard to have two creatures in play, one of which is one thing and one of which is another thing, with any reliability. That's asking a lot. So I think it's a limited card. Right? Like I think right. that there are cards with the word party on them that are constructed cards. Right. Or we spend up constructed cards. I do not think that's one of them. Yeah, the the weird so the weird thing to me about the party mechanic in general is this idea that if you're on the board and ostensibly assuming that you can do the thing that this card is trying to do cheaply, you're ahead, right? Right, and win more cards are historically vastly worse than they look. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's exactly it, yeah. Yeah. And the fact that you can pay for them anyway is, is fine, but you know, all of these cards seem like if this was working, you didn't need it. You know, right. If you had a full party, well, you have four different things, and they all lived, and it's going to be really cool when it happens, but if you're actually trying to win, don't get too excited. So like, when I look at Archpriest of Iona, it's more a question of, can I get a reliable 2-2 for one mana? Sometimes a 3-2. Because then maybe I'm interested a little bit. You know, can I get to 4-2 with the bonus? Because then, then I have a 5-3 flyer, and then I'm really cool. But, like, how often is that going to happen? I, I think getting to 2-2 getting to is, 
going to be pretty terrific for this car. And I, I think that, you know, if you have um, any kind of like decent token maker, you know, that, that, that makes tokens, I, I have to assume that there's going to be something that makes tokens for your, to fill out your party, or maybe even create a token of one of the types in your party would be, would be fantastic. Multi-class and dual-class characters are a thing. There is one quadruple-class character, right, Ooh. in green. We'll get to that okay. later. Yeah. Already that we know about. But, yeah, if, if, they, if they do the work for you, if you naturally were wanting to play an array of creatures, almost all of which were rogues, warriors, and wizards, and you could plausibly just say, okay, any other creature basically in the deck will get me to 2-2, two -two. now I can play this card. And maybe I can find a way to play all three types, although white and wizards don't generally mix very well. That's a right. problem. Right. So you have to branch out a bit. Yeah. But yeah, if if you can work not that hard, then maybe. But and white does have a problem right now with his two with his one drop sucking. Like, let's just be completely straightforward. Like white doesn't know what to do with its one drops right now. Right. Well, I see see the the thing that I, I could see this I could see some sort of like Boros beatdown deck in Historic or something with this. Like, Wizards are super cheap in that format and super common in red. You know, and I, I don't know. I, I, could, I, could see, I could see this card being a player in multiple formats. Yeah, I can see it. Right. Standard makes it tough because you only have so many good cards and they have to happen to line up. If you're playing in a Historic or a Pioneer where you know, being bigger would actually be impressive, right? If you play this in modern, people are like, uh-huh. Because <laughs> if it's 4-2, it's good, right? Like, I mean, it's good because of the bonus, but like, otherwise it would be like, okay, sure. So, yeah, I can see that. We'd have to keep an eye on various searches. Certainly yeah. it's a card that, again, people will have fun with, right? Uh, absolutely. Now, um, one of the big, big things in the set is lands are always a huge part of Zendikar. Right? Whenever we come to Zendikar, there's something going on with lands that's super cool. Uh, lands matter, etc. You know, whether it's landfall or fetch lands or, 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 or... So it's always something. And this set has really um, upped the power on their lands. These new modal spells, these, these modal either spells or lands. Uh, I was describing this to someone as, uh, you know, we used to play uh, when we'd go to Japan. Uh, for coverage, and the, there would usually be an air, inevitably be an hour train ride from the airport or to the airport, you know, from wherever you were in Japan. And you know, we'd have booster packs, and we'd open up booster packs, and no one would bring the land. And so we would play, just shuffle up all the cards, and if you have a card in your any card in your hand can be played as a land, and it makes mana equal to the colors of its casting cost. And uh, so you had to make a decision about whether your card... Oh, basically every card was modal. It was either a land or a, right. a, a spell. And uh, it was super cool. It was just a fun format. We played it a bunch. It was pretty insane in Ravnica when you got to play a multicolor card down early and then Karoo it back to your hand later and cast it. Uh, was, it was always really nice. Um, but these, these new modal lands, starting with Amiria's Call here, are um they're they're really cool and they're, they're a pretty big deal for magic i feel like yeah design wise these are a pretty big deal 
they certainly open up a lot more space. They're now saying you just have free to use the other side of the card for eh, whatever you want. You, know, just, <laughs> you have two sides, even more text, have fun. We all know where this is going. So I have a problem with this one from a design standpoint because of the three life option on the land. Sure. So, well, let's, let's talk about a Mary's yeah. Call. Mary's Call is four WWW, right? Four white, white, white. And it's a sorcery. You create two four four angel warrior creature tokens with flying non-angel creatures you control gain indestructible until your next turn um which is also interesting phrasing because you know it just means you get to survive uh, a turn of some kind of wrath from your opponent assuming it's not a languish yeah or you can just block a lot of choices. yeah or you can block yeah yeah absolutely um and then but you can also play the card as it's reverse side uh which is a land and it adds double it adds white uh but as it enters the battlefield you can pay three life uh to have it come into play untapped essentially right so the all the other lands that i've never seen so far that are on the flip side are just tapped lands that produce a single color right or with the cycle of dual lands they're untapped but that's clear right that's obvious what's going on here it's kind of like and it has this weird option but like i don't really want to have to have mental space remembering what the flip sides of my cards are <laughs> or what the flip sides of other cards are the whole point is you can't see them right right so i kind of wish they hadn't done that because like, the card doesn't really need it to do what it wants to do you can balance any number of knobs here i'm also again like do we need the indestructible thing here? Like, it's got enough, it's got so much going on. It's got the land, the land coming to play untapped, you're creating a bunch of 4-4 four, four flyers, so you've got the big finish or the mana. Like, so does, does the land, is the option to have the land come into play tapped so that you can get to your seventh mana to play this? <laughs> if you have two copies, you can play one of them to play the other one on the seventh turn or something. I don't know. You, you're holding one, right? And you draw the other one, you go, oh, I want to be able to do this right now. Right. People got really sad they were holding one into the other. I think that's possible. Yeah. I can imagine that happening. There's like a note in the file that we'll see when they they look at the, you know, the the, the database. And they're like, yeah, drew the second one, couldn't play the first one, felt bad. Can we fix this? Right? (laughs) Uh, How how do you feel about this card in general, though? So these lands with this optionality are really, really powerful uses of a tap land. Normally what you get is you get one extra, basically colored source in your deck if you want to have a tap land right and you get a little something extra but mostly you just get an extra colored source the option to turn them into powerful spells not just cycle them but turn them into powerful spells is really strong right this this definitely feels like a cousin to cycling actually it's kind of interesting right it has it has a similar feeling to when you have a card that does something but then it also has cycling too Right. Like never like, a land cycling where you had yeah. to pay mana to do this and then put the basic <laughs> land in your deck and it was still pretty useful and the cards sucked. <laughs> right? Like the cards did, were horribly overpriced and then you had to find your first two mana to play it then you had to spend two mana to do it then you had to get the land out of your deck so you had to play extra basic lands. So there's all sorts of reasons why this is so much better than land cycling. All right. Land so already pretty good actually. So let's assume there's a number of good playable cards that that have this optionality. How is this going to affect the way people build their mana bases? So my assumption is you would... This is somewhere between zero lands and one land, 
right? And different people's philosophies will cause them to treat it differently, right? Some people will treat it as just a land that occasionally is a, a giant spell. And other people will be like, no, this is a giant spell that I can play as a land in an emergency. Or it's an excuse to play lots and lots of land. I think the better players will use the second approach, mostly. Okay. Right? The players who want this will be more like, I'm going to put this into my mana base the same way I'd put a Castle Ardenvale into my mana base as a way to win the game late in exchange for a minor annoyance early. Right? It's the same basic principle. Ricard goes two ways. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk more about these as we as we go through them. Uh, yeah, it's important to think about what's your big picture. What other lands do I have available? What other lands do I have to use in my deck? Because tap lands add up fast, right? The first right that that's that's actually something that I yeah concerned about as I look through this, like how many of these things are coming into play tapped. Right, the first four to six are not that expensive unless you're playing a pure beatdown deck, but it rapidly gets out of hand. Uro, it's worth noting, makes them much better, right? If you've got a card like this, and you get an extra land play after you play a third mana, play Uro, and now you get a land drop where you can't play anything, and you get an extra, Arboyo Grazer is also the same thing, right? Because, like, this card makes Grazer so much better. Right. Because when you want to ramp, you can ramp. And when you don't want to ramp, you have plenty of spells. Now, I know in Commander and in some older formats, people have been talking about these cards already with things that let you bounce a land, right? I mentioned it earlier where I was talking about using Carews when we played our sort of landless limited um, way back when. Um, are there any good ways to to bounce a land back to your hand to get like use out of these things later on as spells? Trick your opponent into playing confounding conundrum. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I was going to mention that card is being a little bit of a has has a little bit of a, a drawback for the person playing it sometimes. Yeah, that that wasn't a weird card to print in this set because. You never get to bounce your lands, and maybe they want to bounce their lands. Right. So, what are you thinking here exactly? Yeah, if I can figure out a way to donate Confounding Conundrum to my opponent. Uh, Sounds like a bit of a stretch, but <laughs> yes, it's definitely interesting. So, uh, we'll, yeah, my take on these. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get there in a second. Let's just keep talking about some of the. We have four more white cards here Legion Angel, 2WW for 4 3, Flying. When Legion Angel enters the battlefield, you may reveal a card you own named Legion Angel from outside the game and put it into your hand. So, so how many of these are in the deck and how many of these are in the sideboard? <laughs> Four zero either way doesn't make any sense. So there's three possibilities. If you have one copy in the deck, you spent three sideboard slots for a card that could potentially get you four or four three flyers. Which seems like a lot of sideboard slots to pay for one good but slow card. Right. And how often is the fourth one necessary? So you're almost certainly playing two main, I think. Right. Minimum. The question, I think, is two or three main. You have three main on the theory that your second one is mostly all you need, and then you sideboard one out if they're playing a deck where you have to go along. <laughs> right? So you can get your, your, your value. So it's between two and three main, and then one and two board. Okay. And then... The problem is, again, like, 
the same problem you have with all these tap lands, which is modern magic is very much about efficiency. And trying to play like things that cost too much mana, but they keep you in cards or something like that just makes you lose to people who have so much more powerful things than you. And then you're too slow against people who are going fast where it doesn't right. matter. You were winning anyway, if you win game went long. Right. So I, my guess is that cards like Legion Angel don't actually win any games that the decks wouldn't have already won for the most part. I, yeah, I think, it, I think it's a really interesting design in terms of, and I, I, I like listening to you work through the little mini game of how you, how you set it up in your deck. But like, I think if you sat down to the table and someone said, by the way, on turn four, your opponent's going to play Legion Angel, reveal another Legion Angel and put it into their hand, you'd be like, you'd feel pretty good about the matchup with any of the, you know, popular standard weapons at your disposal. Right. The next question is, are they turn five? They do it again. <laughs> That's an even worse turn five, right? And then turn six, they're going to play the third one. Like, am I worried about losing this? Right. I feel right. It really feels like this card needs to do something else when it hits the battlefield. That you know what I mean? That, like you need to be getting some other, some you know, whether I mean like gaining a little life or doing something to to make it uh, worth this investment of your time and energy and sideboard slots. I feel like I want this kind of thing to take over the game somehow, and I just feel like it won't. Right. I mean, eventually, obviously, you know, three, four, three flyers will kill people pretty fast. But if they had first striker flying, I mean, that's flying. Right? First striker lifelink, right, um, or something, maybe. It just feels like it's missing an ability to right. make it actually powerful. But at the same time, I'm pretty happy to see a series of cards here that don't. They feel like they're interesting. Right. They're puzzles. They're build build around these. And they're not quite there. What right if now. what if what if uh, Legion Angel reduced the cost of each subsequent Legion Angel you play? So basically, you could play one on turn four, but on turn five, you could play two more of them. Wait, on turn five, they cost oh, you cost three, and they immediately cost two. Yeah. Um, be cool. I don't want to scoop our game. <laughs> Yeah, fair, fair. I was, like, I was like, hey, that sounds vaguely familiar. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, what's your name? <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Uh, so Mall of the Sky claims 2W for an equipment. When Mall of the Sky, Sky claims enters a battlefield, attach it to target a creature you control. So this has that kind of ember cleave feeling of... Just jumping on, you know, no initial equip cost. Right. Uh, equip creature gets plus two, plus two, and has flying and first strike, and then has an equip cost of two WW. Yeah, I'm a little sad that basically they're enchantments, and they're just making them into... It doesn't feel right to do that too often. Embercleave felt so unique and different that I didn't mind at all. Right. Uh, but also, Embercleave was a really messed up magic card, and <laughs> this isn't. Right. But Embercleave was you're paying the same amount, and then the opponent died. This is you pay three mana, and you got a nice creature. Like, right. where's the word lifelink on this card, right? Like, I don't see it. I don't see double strike either. So you're going to get a very good attacking creature. Right? You're going to get plus two. You're going to put it on your two drop, and you have a 4-4 four, four flying first strike creature with some extra stuff. 
somewhere maybe, but and it, for format, I can move it around. This feels like a busted rare and limited that doesn't get there and constructed. Right? Sure. Exactly the point where you want to rethink what you're doing a little bit. Yeah. But, like, I kind of wish this card was either better or worse. <laughs> All right. Uh, Skyclave Apparition, 1WW for a core spirit. When Skyclave enters the battlefield, exile up to one target, non land, non token permanent. You don't control with converted mana cost four or less. Uh, when Skyclave Apparition leaves the battlefield, the exile card's owner creates an XX blue illusion creature token, where X is the converted mana cost of the exile card. Tentatively, this seems really strong. Right. So this is this is basically um, let you kill. Let you kill something with an enter the battlefield trigger, and you know not have it, not have to worry about it triggering if they kill your apparition. This is not only kill creatures. This is an oblivion ring, right? That takes for the same cost as oblivion ring. Basically, it gives you a two two. Take that anything, and instead of getting back the thing you think you took away from them, they get back a much worse thing, right? And in many cases, it's going to be a creature in a deck that just doesn't care. Right? Where, like, what do I do with this 2 2 or 3 3 that you just gave me? It's worthless to me. In fact, it gets killed by this removal spell that wasn't doing anything, also, right? Because you had no targets. <laughs> so, this is a pretty exciting card. Uh, you know, a little expensive for a deck format like Modern, but also very effective. You do lose the mode of take out your token and you never get it back. Right. It's always fun for you know your field marshals and your your banisher priests and all that, but yeah, I can definitely get behind this. I expect this to see some play. Yeah, I mean the the, the scary thing about this type of card is always doing it to something that your opponent has already gotten a little bit of uh, recouped a little bit when it entered the battlefield. You know, draw. You know, think about an elvish visionary, right? Like you know. Not that you would ever want to Oblivion Ring and Elvish Visionary, but if you did and they killed your Oblivion Ring, then they would draw another card, right? So yeah. that that's always the fear, and the, uh, this this does uh, get around that. And the cards that you generally want to get rid of, all all good Magic cards that people play these days have exciting uh, Enter the Battlefield effects. Yeah, this gets rid of Uro really yeah. well. Gets rid of Kroxa really well. Oh, gets I mean, rid of I'm all... so sick of Kroxa, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know you're not playing much historic, but man, that card is such a beating. Yeah, I can imagine. There's, there's a lot of things this gets rid of where you are very, very happy to let them have the thing that comes back, right? There's just a little illusion, and if you build your deck with a bunch of reasonable creatures, giving them a three-three or four-four is just not going to bother you very much in most matchups. So. Yeah, I think bring it on. All right. So, Tazri Beacon of Unity. 4W for a 4-6 legendary human warrior. And this spell costs one less to cast for each creature in your party. And then it has... I don't even know how you... It's basically 2-slash-U, 2-slash-B... 
2 slash R, 2 slash G, colon, look at the top six cards of your library, and you may reveal up to two members of a party and or ally cards from among them and put them into your hand, put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. The word ally makes me smile. Yeah, this is an ally... um, this is an ally commander. This is a commander to, to play an allies deck in, in in commander, for sure. That's that's kind of exciting. I don't know how many allies are members of a party, because five is a lot to pay for this. Yeah, but, well, no, but yeah, again, you don't have to pay five for it, right? Assuming you've done a little bit of your work in advance, you might be paying three for this. Right, and then if you're running an ally deck, I want to make sure my allies actually are party members. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Right. I don't. I, I haven't looked at allies, right? It's not yeah. relevant to anything I care about, so <laughs> I don't know if that works. Right. Uh, it's worth noting that the lands in this set are very, very good at helping you cheat this cost. Right. You could play a mono white deck with sixteen optional other color lands in it at basically no cost at all. Right. And then once you have enough white sources, you can suddenly start putting down other lands, and so this activation will cost you two or three mana most of the time, and maybe even cost you one. I mean, it'll cost you the four mana or five mana, not seven or eight mana. So it'll be, re- it'll be realistic. Right. And then the question is, can I get this cost down? I mean, five is not that much to start with, right? If you end up paying four for this, you're sad. You're not that sad. If you pay three for this, I think you're happy. Right. So if you can reliably go one drop, two drop into this, now it's it's, it's got something to, something to show for it. And again, you can splash extra colored mana into your deck right now pretty cheap. Like playing 16 shock lands in your deck in order to activate this would have been insanity. Playing 16 of the new lands is almost free if you're mono white. Right. Archpriest of Iona is a card that starts getting you on the way, right? Like that's... That's, you know, we were talking about, you have a one-drop party member. There, there's one. Yeah, it's our first one. Definitely good. And this is a warrior, so it helps out the Archpriest. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. You can, you can find Archpriest. And also, if you're assembling a party, Archpriest gets better much faster, right? You're, you're spending your money to dig. You find your Archpriest, and you have a full party because you're digging into your like, air decks, and you have five, three flyers, basically. Or you're jumping this guy over. Right? You're, you're jumping Tazri over, and now she's attacking for five. Right. Right. The moment you play your Archpriest the next turn. Because the next turn, next, you know, you play, you play Tazri, you untap, you activate, you find the Archpriest, you play Archpriest, you greet your party, you attack a Tazri. You know, there's things going on there. I don't know if it's good enough. Right. I wouldn't be shocked if this is one of the things where people like me build the deck and, like, try to make it just good enough and it's not really there, and then they print uh, Forgotten Realms. And right. then suddenly it's... Weird. Suddenly it's nuts. Yeah, suddenly it's nuts. All right, so that, that's it for the white rares and mythics that have been previewed so far. We've got four blue rares and mythics that have been previewed. Uh, we mentioned already Confounding Conundrum, 1U for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, if that player had another land enter the battlefield under their control this turn, they return a land they control to its owner's hand. So this is supposed to be a little bit of a protection against the green-blue ramp decks. Yeah, in theory. And it's an interesting card to play against a Turboland deck. Very interesting. If it ever <laughs> comes up, right? other green-blue fun. 
And a gross and gross borrow was the obvious like I don't care about this at all card that right. made this questionable. It makes the able passes come into play tapped. It's worth noting. Right? You, okay. You can't ever right, no matter how you land out, you can't sacrifice the Fable Passage and play the land, right? You right, have to wait right. for another turn. Right. Uh, similarly, when you can sit on Field of Ruin, right? If they ever play a land, just use the Field of Ruin. They have to bounce Ooh. a land. Little interesting thing to do. That's uh, that's super cool. Yeah, so there's definitely some work you can do. One problem is some of the lands in this format, you want to bounce, as you've been talking about. Right. Right, as we've, as we've said. And yeah, also, the downside here is I don't want to give you two four four angels and make all your creatures indestructible until your next turn. No, that would be bad. But also, if you prevent them from playing it in the first place, because the migration path doesn't work, that's not bad. So, my guess is that this is just not going to do it. Uh, yes, those decks that play Uro will have to content themselves with Uro gaining them three life and drawing them a card. And not letting them play an extra land right now when you have this down. And I don't think they care. Give up your second turn. Right? You didn't lose a card, but you give up your second turn to stop that from happening. They've already bought themselves some time. Right. So yeah, I got I got very excited about this card when I first saw it because I thought it applied to you as well. And I thought there would be some really cool things you could do with both the modal lands and with um Ashaya. Who turns all your creatures into lands? But. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't mind this card where like your side is available as an option. I mean, it's yeah. a lot of words, but like, whenever a land enters the battlefield under a player's control, if that player had another land enter the battlefield under their control this turn, you may have them return a land they control to their owner's hand. To owner's yeah. hand, right? Where you just choose, like, whenever they're like, "I want to return a land." No, no. I see the Amerigo over there. You're not doing that. That's fine. <laughs> I just wanted the cantrip. Right. Right, so you actually ask in both sides, and then you get to do the thing yourself. And then maybe you go infinite with your horn of greed and your exploration and your fast bond. Yeah, your, your horn of greed and your fast bond and your like whatever. I don't know, but yeah. yeah, not to be. That's okay. Yeah, it's a weird card. Again, people will have fun with it. Um, I worry that it's going to mess up the people who want to play like real ramp. Like do do actually like expensive like tricky things, right? And do absolutely nothing for the deck, the deck that's going to annoy the hell out of us for the next year, which is just a straightforward look at me. I have it in a row. Right. So and ramp could also always play like you know paradise shards or whatnot, whatever it wants. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ramp, right ramp can just ramp with. And, and and again, you mentioned growth spiral. I can just growth spiral on your turn, which is kind of when you do it normally. So, yeah. uh, Carl Helm Chronicler to you for a two-two Merfolk Wizard. So this is a party member. Uh, whenever have you ever been a member of the Carl Helm party? Uh, whenever you cast a kicked spell, draw a card, then discard a card. When Coral Helm Chronicler enters the battlefield, look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a card with a kicker ability from among them and put it in your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. I feel like none of that addressed any of the problems the deck is going to have if it's trying to play kicker cards. <laughs> like any of them, right? Your problems are 
I don't have enough mana. My cards cost too much mana. I want to kick all the things. I'm not very efficient with my mana. And what does this do? It makes you pay three mana for a 2 2. Yeah. And if you're finding a new kicker card, how much do you need to loot afterwards? Right. Couldn't, right. I, just, couldn't I just draw a card? Yeah. I mean, it's not like it's that much extra. It's just a lot of work. Yeah, this just doesn't. This feels like they're asking you to do a lot and then not helping where you need to help. Right? It's like just, it's going to be so underwhelming in practice. It's like one of these rares you draft around and then, like, and then it's fine. Right? Like, it gets you five cards closer to your big kicker spell. And then they get loose once or twice. But no, I'm not, I'm not really buying this card at all. All right, so the big the big blue card that's been previewed so far is Jace Mirror Mage. So one UU for a four loyalty Planeswalker Jace. It has Kicker too. So this is a card with Kicker that uh, you might want to find with your Carl Helm Chronicler. But I don't want to play Carl Helm Chronicler because I want to be too busy playing Jace. <laughs> and if I have Jace, do I need any of the effects on Carl Helm Chronicler? Right? No, not yeah. really. So when Jace Mirror Mage enters a battlefield, if Jace was kicked, create a token that's a copy of Jace Mirror Mage, except it's not legendary and its starting loyalty is one. And so, you know, so yeah, so for five, you can get two Jaces. Uh, plus one on Jace is Scry two. And then zero is draw a card and reveal it, remove a number of loyalty counters equal to that card's converted mana cost, from Jace Mirror Mage. So this is this is clearly like supposed to be a Bob like card, right? Like manipulate your deck, get lands on top, draw extra lands. Rue the day. They are going to rue the day. This card is a mistake. <laughs> Interesting. I've had some days to think about it. So even if it's not a mistake in the you have to ban this card sense, our lives are worse because this card exists. Like, Narset was a mistake. I think we can all agree that Narset was, an, was a strategic error to print. Doesn't mean we were ever close to needing to ban it. Right, yeah. Narset, you, can, you want a banner, exactly? But it made life in many formats worse. It made our experiences worse. It, there shouldn't be three mana planeswalkers that you have to respond to immediately or the game ends. I just don't think that's a thing. I think that's really bad. And we just went through an entire cycle. We were just about to rotate out the three mana blue planeswalker that generates lots of card advantage and dominates in weird control battles while simultaneously getting you to the cards you need to answer against aggro and is really, really freaking annoying. And what do we do? We bring in the annoyance in chief, Jace, right? <laughs> Magic's resident asshole. Like, you can say what you want about the fairy. Jace is a dick. <laughs> Always has been. And we we make it so it comes down at four. You can immediately get the card back, and then probably, given the way decks are built these days, force them to attack it and kill it, or you're gonna get another card. 
Right. If he, if, if, he, if he dies off, you still get the card. Right. If you hit your casualties of war, like it's not that bad. It's not that bad. You still can't drift. Uh, or you can set it to five loyalty, and then once they kill it outright, you're going to get at least one card. And then after you attack it again, right? You, you go to five, you look at the top two, you put the land back on the bottom. Of the, you, put, you put a land on the second two from the top. Yep. Or you use something else and you just shift the cards around. And next turn, you probably have to draw a card and keep the Jace around, even if they attacked him down to one or two. Right. And it's just not reasonable to expect someone on the third turn, if you went first, right, to do this. Like, first turn Arroyo Grazer, second turn Jace, I have a 0-3 wall, and suddenly I'm scrying. Like, what the hell? And then, on top of it, we decided to give you this five-mana option where you play two Planeswalkers, so now you don't have attackers, there's just no reasonable way out of this, and you immediately recoup a card every time because you use the one... The one loyalty one goes to two loyalty, right? To scry, finding you the card you want, and then you reveal it, making sure not to kill the other Jace. What do you think the most number of Jaces you will see in play in a match of standard or be? Because, again, if there's any way to bounce your Jace, too, you can just start to go off. I mean, at some point, I'll probably see, like, five or six or seven. Both players could have them, like because <laughs> if you dies, you can kick the 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 big one again, right? And you never know. Like at some point, there'll be like at least four or five in play, definitely. Yeah. And yeah. and we'll see what it ends up as. And that's just just this Jace, right? Not counting other Jaces that may or may not exist. Yeah, yeah. Game. No, I meant just Jace Mirror Mage. Right, because Jace Mirror Mysteries is definitely a thing as well, minimum, right? Um, but you know, I I just I I look at a lot of this set. And a lot of the cards they made in M21, I think, it looks like someone learned their lesson. Right? Someone is giving us cards that don't take over and ruin magic games, but that do cool and interesting things. And if we spend a year printing those cards, then they're all good. And you can play all of them. And suddenly, we have the game that we want. They balance against each other. And then I see a card like this. I gotta tell you, I'm excited about the idea of getting four chases at the top. <laughs> I mean, once anyway. I mean, it's exciting <laughs> once. When you're, yeah. How many times would the thief time out? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's so. The trick is never, somehow, never. He will. He will infinitely approach timing out. But there's always, there's always, you know, a halfway point between them, that, and timing out that he'll somehow find a way to occupy. So. We'll see. I mean, challenge has to be accepted, I guess. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I just, I hate this card already. Right? I yeah, this, this card is, in advance. This, this is going to be, I think, you know, I mean, obviously, one of the defining cards from this set. Like, this is uh, a three-mana blue card that does way too much. That is the marquee obvious card that was obviously pushed for marketing reasons and that we're all going to hate. And, okay. I mean, and in, a, in yeah. a matchup of decks that are not trying to kill each other on the first couple turns, you know what I mean? Like, you know, and, and a deck that's just trying to develop, you know, play that more classic, you know, mid range to control game, this card can get out of hand pretty quickly. 
You know what the other thing about this card is? It has the wrong casting cost. It's supposed to be one UG. <laughs> right? If you're going to finish the trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no, we don't. We're, we're going to make him UU. <laughs> also, you probably should have him just go by three of his four letters of his name just to finish it up. Like, call Josh. him Ace. That way he has two vowels. <laughs> Because he's the kind of asshole who would just get rid of the J at some point and just start calling himself Ace, right? And that's just super funny. Uh, I aced that maze. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is gonna be interesting to see how this card plays out. You're 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 uh you, you think that so so Zendikar has historically been defined by aggressive formats. If the format is aggressive, does that keep Jace in check? Right? I feel like this Jace would not survive on earlier incarnations of Zendikar. I think... In the, so when I played this, the last Zendikar Pro Tour in San Juan, uh, yes, it was characterized by aggressive decks, but one of the good decks was absolutely like the control with a five-mana Gideon and a, like, many-mana Jace, and that deck would absolutely have played this card happily. Right. Just to, to harken back. It's also just more powerful than all the cards that they were playing. So there's that. But, you know, even when you try to print a lot of aggressive cards, yeah, of course, a three-meta playing bucket that instantly replaces itself, or scries two, forces an attack on it, and then you untap and you kill stuff, sure. Like, you put this in a soul tie deck, you're not making yourself substantially worse against aggro by doing that, right? Right. You can play any number of removal spells at two, any number of sweepers at four, et cetera, et cetera, to, to complement. He's something good to do at three when you don't draw your row. Right. This is something one, good to do at three. One of the interesting play patterns I can see with this also is like, you know, you get this down on three mana, um, and then two turns later, you if you have another one, you can actually just kick it and then still have two Jaces in play, right? Like, I have three Jaces in play. Yeah, I mean, two, yeah, just two for now. Like, it's very easy. If you know when the next one's coming, just start zeroing and just kill this thing off. Right. That's what you want. Right? You just want card quantity more than you want to keep Jace around or you want to, to find one particular thing. But yeah, no, just, I just, this is not a reasonable magic card. Like, this is a messed up magic card. Right? Like, the same way we talked about Embercleave or is this Uro. The first, is this our first messed up magic card? Yes. yes. I, think, I think very clearly. I think that, like, like, Tazri's a good card, but it doesn't feel like it's going to be a messed up magic card, right? You have to do some right. work. Like, okay. it's dangerous, right? It could turn out to be really powerful. And, like, Skyclave Sky Apparition is a very good card. But, like, that seems fair, right? <laughs> that seems entirely fair. That's just a good card that you want people to play, and, like, maybe we'll be happy that card is everywhere, and maybe we won't, or maybe it won't be that many places. We don't know. So, we'll see. All right, so speaking of not so messed up magic cards, Seagate Stormcaller. One U for a two one human wizard. Kicker for you. When Stormgate, Seagate Stormcaller enters the battlefield, copy the next instant or sorcery spell with converted mana cost two or less. You can you cast this turn when you cast it. If Seagate Stormcaller was kicked, copy that spell twice instead. You may choose new targets for the copies. So no flash. So this is going to be, you know, I play on turn three this and opt, and I opt twice. 
Yes, that is the basic thing this card does. Is you play it in a deck with a bunch of cantrip style cards or a bunch, and a bunch of removal cards. And on turn three, four, and five, you like play this at the second copy of your spell and you get a two one. Now, this kicker thing. I feel like it's one of those, yeah, let the kid dream. <laughs> but it's never gonna happen. It's seven mana, and then you have to play the spell. Right. Like it's not never going to happen, but it's almost never going to happen in a meaningful way in a real game, right? You're just never going to want that. Like, you're right. like, no, it's fine. I'll, I'll just, I'll just pay two mana, copy it once. This card's fine. Yeah. Right? It's a two drop with upside. Like, doing this on opt on turn three seems pretty good, right? Like, you, you got a free two one. It's not sure. great, play, but it's not play, bad. On turn four, play this lightning strike two things seems great. Yeah, I do this and, you know, fire prophecy two things. Yeah. You know, just set up your entire hand for the rest of the game. Stuff like yeah. that. That seems awesome. I yeah, mean, no, not, again, not, not, not crazy broken, right? Like, this card just seems good. Yeah. No, the, 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 uh, it's not Caster Mage that, like, is designed in a fair way, right? right. Like, it's, right. that's what it is. And it could be very good. And, yeah, and occasionally there'll be some cube experience where you kick this and bolt someone for nine on turn eight <laughs> it scales really well right like you start doing this and then you cultivate or you start doing this and then you you know do very powerful things later and fun is had sure it is it's actually really exciting on turn four with growth spiral how about turn nine <laughs> and we copy approach the second sun Woo. <laughs> That's a lot of mana, but no. On turn three, you like just copy opt, and then later on, you like you have four copies of this, and you, what you're setting up is you're setting up just I'm just going to win outright on the spot, right? Right. Right. I only play like one or two copies of Superstar Against Sun. I just copy it. I don't think I don't think copying Approach to Second Sun works. I've tried it before with other cards. No, I don't think it works. Really? Maybe yes. Yeah. I mean, you, you still gain 14 life. Yeah, yeah. If you cast this from your hand and you've cast another spell, you have to cast it. You can't just play it. Okay. Right. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, right. really, I've, I've put a lot of work into this, pulled it off, and then didn't immediately win. And I was like, what the? Oh. And he still won the game, I'm sure. I still won the game, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't actually matter. So we can copy a number of things. Um, you can't copy wrap effects usefully, which is unfortunate. Yeah. You can copy a lot of things. And there's, like, yeah, if you're playing both ops and, like, divination-style cards, so, like, if the game goes longer, you're just, like, drawing you're drawing four on turn five and stuff like that. Teamer loves this card, right? Like, just Teamer decks just love this card. There are going to be a lot of Teamer decks that like this card a lot. I'm not sure you want the green. I mean, I'm right. excited to growth spiral with it. Why? What four are you in? I mean, I mean, turn four. I guess you can roast spiral on turn turn three if you draw two of them in historic, right? It's not banned there yeah. yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in historic, I mean, the card's dumb, right? It's one of these like, it's not messed up. It's very good. It's very right. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I, I like it. I, uh, I, I would keep the kicker off, or I make the kicker better, right? Sure. I feel like the kicker should like cost one less for every member of your party or something. Ooh. <laughs> that's sweet that would have been sweet 
that's a, that's like a that's like a project, right? Like you're like I want to I want to do this. Yeah, I, by this I mean find a magnifying glass to read the card, but yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it would have been really cool. So all right, so that brings us to coveted prize, which costs one less for each creature in your party. Starts out at four B for a sorcery. Search your library for a card, put it in your hand, and shuffle your library. If you have a full party, you may cast the spell with converted mana cost four or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. So if you have a full party, you can pay B, look for a card, and then play a card for free from your hand that costs four or less. Which may or may not be the card you just got. May or may not, yes, exactly. And both options are good. So yeah, it's a very, very good payoff card if you're really going to get there. I mean, if you have three members, it's Demonic Tutor. Sure. Which is good. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. But not as high impact as you might think, often. Right. right? Like, unless you have a deck built around that. But also, Covenant Prize should be able to get you one of those really powerful I have a party cards. Right? That'd be the goal. Either a card that is now, you get a card that's now super cheap because you have a party, right? And then you play something else. Or you get a card that's, you know, really powerful and costs four or less, and you just play it instantly. Another thing you can do is, no, you can get anything you want. You can play Coveted, Pri- coveted Prize to go get Coveted Prize, play your other cool card in your hand, and then just tap another man and do it again, and then tap another man and do it again. <laughs> and then get your payoff card right at the end whatever it is yeah so chaining these seems really good this seems like so far the best reason to try and make a party happen yes right being able to just do anything you want at the end seems really cool right Gen- generally, generally you're going to get to triple spell the turn you play this right you get to play this you get to play the card you search for, and you get to play a card for free from your hand. I mean, you can't really count the card itself as one of the spells. Sure. And the card you play. But, like, you'll have some stupid turns. Like, I think the standard turn might be coveted prize, coveted prize, coveted prize, coveted prize. Like, play three cards out of my hand, and then play the card of my choice. And win, hopefully. Right. Yeah, because you can also just, like use card drawers in the middle of that and blah 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 but yeah i i have my hopes for the card i worry that this is the card that forces them to nerf everything else sure right, that makes it that, this is the card that makes it hard makes it harder to put party enablers into the set right so if you can actually get a party in a reasonable way right like if there was a card that was just like play a party, like add a, you know, create a 1-1 one, one wizard, a 1-1 one, one soldier, a 1-1 one, one warrior, a 1-1 one, one cleric, and a 1-1 one, one wizard or something. Like, yeah. suddenly you have to worry about this card going nuts immediately thereafter, and you can't print that card anymore. Right. Whereas, you know, a card that just says, you know, form party or something, right? You know, like, you know, seek adventure. It'd be a fun card. And maybe what's going to happen is we're going to all think that the entire mechanic is kind of lousy, and then in Forgotten Realms, it's going to be like, you know, the tavern. And it just does that. Right? <laughs> just like, oh, shit. 
if if you have the tavern, it's just yeah, make make a token that is a member of the party that you don't already have yet, right? Like, I mean, that's so, even that's a lesser thing. But I'm like, yeah, I mean, like we have plenty of cards that just make three tokens, right? Or make two. Right. Tokens. Oh yeah. Oh sure. Yeah. And there's no reason you can't make different members of the party with one of those. Right. Like, if it was balanced, you just have to worry now. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, party member Drana, the last blood chief. Yes. Three BB for a legendary creature, vampire cleric. Four, four, flying. Whenever Drana attacks, defending player chooses a non-legendary creature card in your graveyard. Return that card to the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it. And that creature becomes a vampire in addition to whatever else it is. Good try. Right? Because you get a creature every turn it attacks, if they have something yeah. to take. Yeah. And it's a little... But it's still, a lot of people are either going to give you, like, a one or two drop that doesn't do anything. Like, here, have an Arboreal Grazer, have fun. Right. Or have they're... A, have a one-four Arboreal Grazer. Oh, sure. With reach. No, it's not nothing. Right. Like, they're not going to... A lot of creature decks are not going to give you anything that impactful. Uh, for a while, or alternatively, I have nothing. Right, right. Occasionally, there's going to be someone who's like, okay, you have the one thing, and you just get it, and you win. But you also add one of these with a turn warning, right? Like you don't get to attack until they have a chance to remove it, and cost five. So I don't see this working. Yeah, this this is this is certainly not the best version of Drana we've seen. Yeah, this is one of those. It has a lot of upside, and it's going to break the mid games in half reliably, but it's just not quite what any constructed deck ever needs. So I just don't see it. Yeah, I, I, I definitely see this This card will be very popular in Commander. Um, probably a fairly popular Commander itself. I thought it's uh, one of those Commanders that gets, gets you killed. Like, it, it, it reads much more obnoxious <laughs> oh, than it actually is. Oh, no, 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 no. On the scale of commanders that are obnoxious and get you killed, this isn't even that high on the line. Like, taking other people's cards pisses them off, right? No? Well, it's in your graveyard. You don't take other people's cards. Oh, I misread this. I thought it was in their... Uh, it's just in your no, graveyard? No, no, this, this is your graveyard. Oh, okay. So it's a bit more interesting, right? Because you can you can set up something really powerful. Yeah. But you still have yeah. to attack with a five drop to win the game. So, yeah. Like, you can just yeah. play Corvall, right? If Corvall attacks, you never lose, right? Basically. <laughs> um, all right, Soul Shatter, 2B. Uh, for an instant, each opponent sacrifices a creature or planeswalker with the highest converter mana cost among creatures and planeswalkers they control. So this is kind of like a Doomfall. Yeah, it's... Doomfall had a lot more of a, like, this is never bad. This is right. more of a, this will always get the job done. Like, I can go through your untargetableness and your indestructibleness and force you to sacrifice the thing I actually want to kill. Right. Right, so the question and is... It's, and it's almost always going to kill a plane. Like, you know, you tap, you tap out to play a planeswalker, I'm going to kill it. Right, so the question is, is this a bad murder? Oh, right. it's definitely a bad murder. Or is it important because there are hexproof things it has to kill, or protection from black things it has to kill, or something? I think right. mostly you just need to kill. I mean, the, to me, the thing that really shines here is that this kills planeswalkers, and I mean, they haven't made the hexproof. It's thing. a bad hero's downfall, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a bad yeah. hero's downfall that has only one black and scouting cost. Yeah. Yeah. Some people will want this effect. It's fine. This card's good. I mean, it's it'll, fine. It'll, it'll get played. Um, Tabarax, Hope's Demise. 
2B for a 2-2 flying demon cleric. So he likes to party. Uh, Tabarax has lifelink as long as it has five or more plus one, plus one counters on it. I feel like he doesn't like the party much at all. <laughs> and I thought the party should stay far away from this man. Do not put <laughs> this man in your party. <laughs> when another non-token creature you control dies, put a plus one, plus one counter on Tabarax. If that creature was a cleric, you may draw a card if you do lose one life. Yeah, this feels like another one of those cards that's like, it's hooking you with the impossible dream. True. Like, I'm going to have lifelink, and I'm going to be super big, but like, it doesn't even work when they, killing their creatures doesn't work. You have to kill your own. And in general, that stuff never works. So, so the thing that always frustrates me about these cards is the, is the actual experience, right? So someone goes, they build a Tabarax deck, they, they you know, set up the, all these machinations to make it work, right? And you play them, and they finally do something, and they're, you know, they're going to get to attack and do all this stuff, and you just concede, right? You're like, oh, good, good, good game, buddy. You're, you're sort of like narrow deck, Pulled off its thing. Great. Let me move on. Let me play my next game. Yeah, you get your 9-9 lifelinker in the, yeah. in the air. They can't yeah. kill it. It's like, that's, all right, I guess exactly. you won. I can beat you by. Right? That's, that's one of the, the frustrating things. I mean, generally a frustrating thing to me about Arena in general, right? Like, if you if you do something cool, people just concede. Well, um, on Arena, you're normally playing standard or maybe historic. And in general, when you do something that would win the game, he wasn't going to last very long. Right, right. All right, so they can see, like, you know, 15 seconds ahead of the, the win anyway. But I guess this could last a long time with the lifelink win, but still. All right. Uh, so moving on to red cards now, four of those. Relic Robbers, the first one. And again, we're just talking about mares, rares and mythics right now that have been spoiled as of Thursday, September 3rd. Relic Robber 2R for a 2-2 Goblin Rogue with Haste. Whenever it deals combat damage to a player, that play that player creates an O1 colorless goblin construct artifact creature token with this creature can't block. And at the beginning of your upkeep, this creature deals one damage to you. This card's working hard. Right? <laughs> I just I feel for it, right? I feel like these are the ordinary salt of the earth goblins who really work hard to bring you your red damage. And I appreciate the effort. <laughs> but no. No, just no. Like, yeah, it attacks for like one per turn for the rest of the game. If they, you know, I guess in theory, the idea is you sneak and attack it against some sort of like control deck or something, and then they have to like bother killing the zero one, or else they just eventually die. Like it just sticks around and nibbles them forever, and it got haste, so you can sneak and hit it. But it just feels like the worst Legion of War boss ever printed, <laughs> right? But. Uh, yeah, not 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 super excited about this one. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Um, I I am a little more excited about Roiling Vortex. It seems like a uh, a thing that a red deck likes to do. 1R for an enchantment at the beginning of each player's upkeep. Rolling Vortex deals one damage to them. 
Whenever a player casts a spell, if no mana was spent to cast that spell, Roiling Vortex deals five damage to that player. And then uh, R, your opponent can't gain life this turn. So it's worth noting that being able to stop life gain with mana is much, much worse than stopping life gain. Oh, oh, absolutely. This is this is a this is a definitely a car with a catalytic converter on it, right? Like there's no messy emissions here. This is you know, this is this is definitely fixed for, for modern magic in a in a way that's not as powerful as, as previous versions of it. Yeah, often you're gonna have the one turn you tap out there to gain like sixteen or something. Because they just do all of their life gain things they've been holding for the past seven turns, because they know that eventually they'll tap out, maybe. And you have to worry about that, and then you can never tap out or stuff like that. Yeah. But I would say, if this is not going to hit them for five, it's just not enough damage to matter in modern magic. Like realistically speaking, one a turn, not good enough. Find something else that does more things. However. If they are in fact going to play a bunch of cards that will cause you to take five, cause them to take five damage, that's more interesting. Right. What what cards are there that people are playing that they're not going to cast? They're not going to pay mana for. Like My first thought was Genesis Ultimatum. The problem being that they don't have to play the cards; they can just put them in right. their hand if they want. Right. So it's not that thrilling necessarily. I mean, obviously it's a big help, but like. That's pretty narrow. So what right. else is there? Yeah, I mean, I mean, and maybe this isn't aimed at, you know, standard right now. And you turn one, you play Rolling Vortex. Like you want to play a Mox, you want to play Lotus, but it doesn't feel like it matters, right? Like it's not, right. Like it's not, not the right axis to care about. So yeah, this feels to me like one of those cards that. He's a skill tester, effectively, most of the time. Like, bad players will play it way too often, next where it shouldn't belong. And occasionally it will be the right card. Right, for some So, so, so this, this is going to be, you see this as, like, maybe having a role in sideboards and probably being more restricted to older formats than standard. Yeah, I think it's supposed to hit older formats. People who play it in standard will be sad, is my guess. All right, we come to another one of our modal cards here, and this is Valica Awakening. So its front side is a red instant, 2R. Put any number of cards from your hand on the bottom of your library, then draw that many cards plus one. So that's, that's you know, that's pretty nice, right? Like, especially the plus one is a nice little addition there. And then... Yeah, if this was discard, so it triggered discard effects and put the cards in your graveyard, there'd right. be a lot of very cool things to do with this card. Yeah. It doesn't do those things. So instead, it's more like a... It's a nice option to have, right? Because you're giving up one mana for the option to filter away your entire hand, the parts of it you want, later in the game, in a safe fashion, right? You only put the cards in the bottom resolution... Right. So if they, it's not, you know, if they counter it, unlike a lot of red cards that are similar, you don't get blown out. Right. And then the the safe mode of this card is its other side, which is Valakut Storm Stoneforge, uh, enters the battlefield tapped and taps for red mana. Right. So my guess is 
if you've got like one of these red blue style decks, this is a pretty good use of one of your tap lands. Right? If your mana's not too if your mana's not too bad, you don't need to spend your tap lands on mana, on color. For the most part. You've got your thing settled. I absolutely like, you know, your turn one wasn't that busy anyway. And this card is in fact a big deal later in the game. It also is one of those cards that justifies like because you have Valkyrie Awakening, you can cut no lands when you add it. Because if you flood, you can use the Valkyrie Awakening to get rid of the other lands as well. Right? It's very strong protection against a true flood. So you can use this to play a deck with a lot of mana. I can definitely see like a green red ramp deck or a Timur ramp deck that uses Valkyrie Awakening on the theory that, you know, it's that way I have tons of lands, and if I draw too many lands, I'll get rid of them. Who cares? My Royal Grazer on turn six? Get rid of it. <laughs> Etc. So, yeah, I, I think this card, this card seems pretty sweet to me. Definitely the kind of card I enjoy playing with. Um, we'll see, we'll see what, uh, see what happens with it. But the next card is, uh, listed in, uh, another language, uh, on the website, but, uh, it is translated as Valakit Luxury Tours. What? <laughs> Come on, if a fan said had a card called Valakit Luxury Tours, we'd mock them endlessly. I, I think it's probably Exploration of Valakit. Is probably the actual name here, All right. um, but I like Valakit Luxury Tours quite a bit. The Valakit Luxury Tour is coming to take you away. Uh, so it's an it's an enchantment with landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card as long as it remains exiled. At the beginning of your end step, if there are cards exiled with Valakit Luxury Tours, put them into their owner's graveyards, then Valakit Luxury Tours deals that much damage to each opponent. This is Genre's Tower? Yeah, I, I guess so. Like, if we're going to just call everything after a Planeswalker, let's admit it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, essentially... The turn you play it, either nothing happens if they take one, probably, if you right. play, then play a land. On, it gets cards into your graveyard, and then on later turns, you have the option to either um, do one to them or keep the card when you play a land. Right. But if you hit a land, all they do is take one. You don't get to chain that way unless you have extra land plays. You can definitely table passage. Sure. But yeah, this just doesn't feel like enough. Like our standards are too high. It's just not doing enough. Like you're only drawing a card once every other turn, maybe? You you don't think cantripping off of your land drops is is, is at all exciting? It's not really cantripping. Like if you hit a land it doesn't work. Sure. Right, so you only hit spells. It's only off your. So you can't. That's important, right? If you could, if you can't get off of your land drops, right? The way you do a tireless tracker. The, way, right. the reason tireless right. tracker is awesome is because you sacrifice. If you if you play a land, you then sacrifice the clue and you find more land. 
which finds you more land. And so you keep chaining. And this is a lot less exciting than that for that reason. It also doesn't have any impact on the board. Right. I mean, maybe it plays okay. I don't think so, though. Are you a second? Yeah. I, I feel like this card is probably a, a, a huge momentum swing in limited, you know, like in sealed specifically. Feels like this card is probably just busted. I mean, drawing a card you have to use right away is a lot worse than drawing a card. Even yeah, but all your card, but all your cards in sealed are generally like even, right? You know what I mean? Like they're just like either you're churning past your lands, which you. I, you should have enough of already at this point, or you are you're digging towards just you know playing more creatures and more spells. I don't know. Seems yeah. I, I would be pretty happy to 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 have this in my playables in a in a seal deck. Yeah, no, I mean it's a rare. It's not surprising. I'm just it's next to Valkyrie Awakening, and I'm like I can't imagine actually playing this over Valkyrie Awakening in any deck ever. Sure. Like, even though they do different things, like, just at the same casting cost right next to it, is it just a vastly better card <laughs> in my mind? Right? Like, given the two-way nature of it? What if it was called Valakit Luxury Force? Well, that helps. All right. All right. So, uh, next up, we, we've got some green cards. And this was a card uh, Gavin previewed yesterday uh, on Twitter. Uh Ashaya, Soul of the Wild. 3GG for a Star Star Elemental. Uh, mythic. Ashaya, Soul of the Wild's power and toughness are equal to the number of lands you control. And then non-token creatures you control are forest lands in addition to their other types. So who's going to be the first person to go infinite with this and Lotus Cobra? <laughs> Probably me. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Act fast. <laughs> so, because that seems pretty sweet, right? Like all your creatures suddenly start generating mana when they come right. into play, and tap for mana, and suddenly you just have all the mana, and you just go nuts. They they, they are still affected by summoning sickness, right? So yes, but they get so, but, but Lotus. Yeah, no, but I'm saying like, but you can't go like Lotus Cobra into Lotus Cobra as easily. Right, like you could go Lotus Cobra into Elf into Elf. Hello. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll have to cut this out. But like, yeah. Yeah, all all your all your all your creatures, right, will trigger landfall. So that that's worth yeah. noting. Um, one of the things that Gavin pointed out on Twitter that sort of drove the EDH community into a frenzy was the fact that your um, creatures suddenly become lands means they can't be affected by things that say target non-land permanent so or yeah. non-land permanent so something like cyclonic rift which bounces all your opponents non-land permanents to their hands suddenly cannot affect your creatures with an with a, an ashaya in play that's charms i'll admit that it's yeah. also just very large, right? It's a combination Kelvin Warlord and Gavin yes. Blackblade <laughs> for only five mana. And it taps for mana on top of that. So just, yeah, just rushing this out, like accelerating this out and just having fun with it seems pretty cool. 
um, the translations of some of these cards is pretty interesting. Um, the next green card is translated on Scryfall as Green D20. Look at the artwork, maybe. <laughs> it is 1G for an instant, uh, and it has kicker 2G. So choose one, or if green D20 is kicked, choose any number instead, and it has three modes. Put two plus one plus one counters on target creature. Target player gains X life, where X is the greatest power among creatures the player controls, or target creature you control fights target creature you don't control. So I'm into this first mode a lot, aren't you? What's that? This first mode seems sweet. Two counters? Two counters for two mana? Like, yeah. As an instant? Like, just, yeah. surprise! Like, that's that's a really good rate. Like, not quite the certain playable on its own or anything, but it's a really good rate. That's a giant rope effect that just sticks around. Right? I would strongly consider trying... I, I'm, I'm almost mm -hmm. certain to at least try this in my green deck. Right? Because... It's also a fight, right? Fight is a second. So it's, it's a maybe a removal spell, maybe a combat trick, even has a life gain option that could be a substantial amount of life. And then eventually maybe you kick it, right? Kicking this to put two counters on a creature, then have it fight and gain life equal to its new power, equal to its new power. So two plus X. That's not a bad thing. So yeah, this, this is interesting. We've got something going on. I like it. All right. Next one up. Lotus Cobra Go. Oh, no. All right. Basically, the answer is Lotus Cobra Go, so you'd better remove this or things are going to get ugly next turn really fast. Right? So, Table of Passage is, a, is, in the, is already in standard. Right. So it's not going to rotate. So, we already have a fetch land. And Euro is in the Time to Matrix Wrap is in the format. And Psy, I mean, this is, you know, it attacks for two while generating its mana. It's very little downside to this. This card is ridiculous. Like, um, I haven't I've played this in the past. This card is ridiculous. And yeah, mana I, I think it's one of the best two drops uh, ever printed. Like, mana creatures are not like other creatures. Other creatures get better. Mana creatures get worse. And they realize <laughs> that mana creatures were too good. Right? Like, you were, I was playing this in deck with Lanowar Elves and Birds of Paradise, and it wasn't obviously worse than those cards. Right. It was just a little bit slower, but could often generate a lot of mana. And it fixes your color. And, and you don't have as many fetch lands as we did back then. Probably. But, wow. That happened. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a... Uh, this, this is a card that, that a lot of broken things happened with. Um, you talked about San Juan, right? That was where Josh started relating. Didn't he have that deck that was like Lotus Cobra into Oracle into Jace, like on turn three or something stupid like that? I mean, I was too busy just beating people down with Vengevines to notice. <laughs> but I heard some stupid stuff was happening somewhere else in the tournament. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, with Fetchlands, this card is historically dumb AF. Um, never, never Mythic, the deck? Yeah. 
I remember. That's what I was talking would about. You, would you consider playing Evolving Wilds with this card in standard? Well, so if you play Evolving Wilds with this card, right, you play Evolving Wilds and it generates two mana. Or you could play any other land and it would also generate two mana. <laughs> so what's the point? Right? I mean, sure. It makes it okay. Right? It makes it okay to play it, but it doesn't make it good. Right. So I think the answer is just no, unless you have okay. lots... Of, but if you have other landfall as well, where you want the double landfall, right? This uh, this makes it come into play untapped. So, right. and if or if you had, and or in a situation where you have two lotus cobras, right? Like uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's net profit definitely. But yeah. that's if you have two lotus cobras and you had mana problems, that's your fault. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, we're we're is this a messed up magic card in modern magic? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Swarm Shambler. Green for a zero zero. Uh, fungus Beast. Um, Shambler enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter on it. Whenever a creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it becomes the target of an of a spell an opponent controls, create a one one green insect creature token, and then it has one tap. Put a plus one, plus one counter on Swarm Shambler. So we have played a lot of green one drops in our decks this past year to try and find good enough green one drops. And Pop Collector is ridiculous. But the pickings after that are often slim. Like you sort of, or you want enough of them that it's tough. This is actively really good. Because it's a one, one that makes a lot of your creatures give you a 1-1, one, one, not just itself, when they're right. targeted for death, right? Right. You're playing, you know, recently I've been playing, you know, Barkhide Troll and a bunch of XXs that already have counters on them to start. Pump Collector gets a counter fast, et cetera, et cetera. The Artifact Serpent, whatever whatever that card is. Yeah, yeah, Stormcoil Serpent. If right. you put two, if you use the, um, the D20, that creature will have counters on it. Right. You know, Yorgo gets counters on him reasonably often, et cetera, et cetera. You know, if you play Vivian, you put counters on everything. There's a lot of ways to have counters on things. And also, if you're not doing anything else with your mana, this thing just keeps getting bigger. Right. You know, it eventually becomes huge. And that wins games. There'll be games where this just goes to 7-7 seven, seven and just wins because no one can do anything for a while. Definitely a thing. Is is this a this is not a messed up magic? No, 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 no. This is not a messed up magic card. This is not gonna make everybody hate magic. It's just you know, I think this card is good. It, it makes V happy because he doesn't have to play a stone coil serpent on one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm gonna play a stone coil serpent in my deck anyway. But like I'm gonna yeah, I'm just gonna play it on one. <laughs> but I saw it, certainly. Um all right, Tajuro Paragon. It's so, also a great it's also just another great way to mutate on too. Oh yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, like you want one drops that you can mutate on too in these decks, and like I love this, right? This is great. All right, Tajuru Paragon is also a cleric, rogue, warrior, and wizard. I like how they didn't even put any of them on the tagline, just so it was very clear what was going on. Right. Yeah. So the kicker again is. So I, I was trying to say this. Uh, if it was kicked, reveal the top six cards in your library, and we put a card that shares a creature type with any with it among them into your hand. 
put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Right. So maybe okay. you can find any member of the party or any elf with that if you just have three mana lying around. So so worth noting though, I can't play, you know, like the tutor with this is still gonna cost it's only gonna cost one less. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't count as four members of my party. You it just counts win, for, you know, you not get to just win the game on turn yeah. three by triple tutoring and casting three cards that cost four each. If you played Paragon on turn two, this is not just stupid. Uh, but it is a three, two for two, which is like lousy, but perfectly acceptable stats, basically. Right. Like, again, I'm not sure my green deck doesn't just play this for value, right? Like, if you have even a small number of creatures this can fetch other than itself, three, two for two is almost good enough. It's not bad. And it's an option. I don't think it's good enough on its own, but it doesn't take that much. So, definitely keep an eye out for this this little dude. Uh, right. That's probably. And you, and you that's talked about. Yeah. And you talked about Tazri, right? Like you yeah. know, a green white deck that goes Archpriest into Paragon, you know, into Tazri is is kind of interesting. Yeah, this is the card that's like clearly makes you very happy if you're playing a party deck. And I love that I can say party deck. That sounds great, but. The question is like All how right. much like, so, so you know, that's that's it for the green cards. But right. so, so, now are, we have, so we basically have two really good party cards, right? We've got one really good member of the party and one tutor. And then we have kind of the, the big the warrior, the five drop warrior. So we have three cards that go in a party deck. So we're gonna have to find a way to make this finish, right, in some sense. But we gotta start. Right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, now so, we got a bunch of gold cards. We got we got some gold cards and some land. So Linvala, Shield of the Seagate. One white blue for a 3-3 flyer. At the beginning of combat on your turn, if you have a full party, choose target non-lane permanent and opponent controls until until your next turn. It can't attack or block and its activated abilities can't be activated. Sacrifice Linvala, choose hexproof or indestructible creatures you control. Gain that ability until the end of next turn. Worth pointing out, this is a legendary angel wizard. So yeah, so this is a pretty reasonable thing to just do in like a skies or other aggro deck because it protects the rest of your party. Like not just the party party, but like the rest of your creatures can just become hexproof or indestructible when right. you need them to. That's pretty sweet. And three three flying is not the worst for three mana, right? Because you get the evasion. But it doesn't feel like it's quite there. But maybe. And, yeah, for a full party, that's a reasonably good payoff. Um, right. if, you can if you can really get there, right? The problem right. is... What, what was that ability called before? It's called Detain. Yeah, you, you get to basically just ignore one of their creatures, basically permanently, right. right, in most circumstances. So, to me, the question is, are you going to win games you would lose that often because you found a full party and then this happened? Because right, you're paying an awkward amount. You're right. You're you're playing multiple colors here that aren't the payoff color black or the enabler color green. Right. Worth worth pointing out though that you could, if you have full party and you tutored, you could tutor for this and put it into play for free in a green black deck. Yeah, I don't mind like playing one as a tutor target in that deck if you think this is often sometimes just what you want. Right. 
Like, if you're finishing the party with this, it's a pretty strong wizard to go fetch. <laughs> if that's just the best thing you can do, and you just pay two mana for the, you know, like, probably you won't have a full party to put it directly into play, if that's true, so. Right. Yeah, we'll see, like, so. Uh, so, Zareth San, the trickster, three blue-black for a legendary merfolk rogue with flash, it's a 4-4, four, four, and then it has two blue-black return and unblocked, unblocked attacking rogue you control to its owner's hand. Put Zareth Sand the Trickster from your hand onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. Whenever Zareth Sand deals combat damage to a player, you may put target permanent card from your, that player's graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. Target permanent card from that player's graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. This card seems really good. The first obvious question is, is this a ninja? <laughs> it is. It's so ninja that it doesn't even say ninja. Like, he's so undercover, you can't even see him, you can't even see his creature type, right? Like, he just under yeah. rogue. I thought ninjas were warriors, though, right? Not rogues? But I'm not sure. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. There's the argument for both directions. No, I, I can see that. In any case, uh, who are the good rogues? Yep, doing a quick search. <laughs> Let me know. Because rogue is, rogue is not the most supported creature type right now. I think this might be one of those cards that just hangs around until uh, Forgotten Realms, and then maybe? But I just don't think this payoff is that great. Yeah, let's see. I'm, doing, I'm looking future yeah. standard. How many rogues do you think there will be in future standard? I'm uh, not even doing a color search. I, I, I'm totally blind. 20? All right, let's see. I didn't look at all. Yeah. Uh, 28. All right, not too bad. See anything um, good? Well, I mean, I think the most interesting one is probably Brazen Borrower. That's a good rogue. You want to bounce Found something, borrower, attack, flash it in, get my borrower back to my hand. Get your card, yeah, et cetera. Get your card. Yeah. All right, that's that's legit. Uh, getting um, permit fairy Vandal, Fairy Vandal's a rogue, cunning night bonder. Um, Rankle is a rogue. Hmm. Awkward casting cost, but okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. There's a yeah. handful. Yeah. It'd be nice if you get to keep their hero, but you don't. But uh, <laughs> you still draw the card. So not nothing. Uh, and yeah. worth noting that Thieves Guild Enforcer is a new card uh, from M21 that whenever Thieves Guild Enforcer or another rogue enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent mills two cards. So um, there's, some, there's some synergy there in terms of... Um, Putting some cards into your opponent's graveyard, too. Yeah, my guess is this isn't good enough. Um, but it's got its charms. Right. Uh, the next card up is also a rogue. Zagris, Thief of Heartbeats. Four blue, red-black for a legendary vampire rogue. Costs one less to cast for each creature in your party. Flying Death Touch Haste. Other creatures you control have Death Touch. Uh, whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a planeswalker, destroy that planeswalker. 
New rule of magic. No. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, so if you're playing BR for a 4-4 flying death touch haste with with bonuses, that's pretty sweet. And there will be other creatures to get death touch because you have a full party. If you have a less than full party, well, at three creatures, it's a very good card, right? It's a three mana, four, four flying haste. Death touch. If it costs four mana, because you have a two member party, which is probably kind of the default, right? It's very hard to get this on turn three. Um, but it's possible, in theory, maybe. But, like, it's pretty hard. You play this on turn four for four mana. It's like a pretty decent way to make sure their Planeswalker dies, but yeah. I mean, the pro- I- I'm so hesitant to play expensive party members because it's so hard to get them down when you're trying to assemble a party. Sure. Right, and I really, really don't want to have to be like, assemble our party and then we need all these payoffs or else we won't have enough payoffs, and then like, what are we even doing with our deck? Right, like, so. This is probably going to be end up underwhelming. Because it just so often is going to cost five or six and be terrible. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm loving the translations of these cards. The next card up is Yasharn, but it's called Moss Hog in the translation. <laughs> not, like even Yashar, Hog. not even Yasharn, comma Moss Hog? <laughs> like, are they even trying? <laughs> uh, when Moss Hog enters the battlefield, search your library for a basic forest card and a basic planes card, reveal them, put them into your hand, and then shuffle your library. Players can't pay life or sacrifice non-land permanents to cast spells or activate abilities. This costs two green white and is a four-four. Yeah. It is a so those, legendary uh, elemental war. So that's kind of like annoyance like ability. Right? It's not gonna do all that much most of the time. Or you can still sacrifice your Fabled Passage. So there aren't that many cards that actually stops. Right. In practice. I think that you're mostly getting a 4-4 creature and two lands for four mana, and the lands go in your hand. So in Modern Magic, unfortunately, that's much worse than it looks. Right at the time when I would have jumped for joy, like I get two extra lands and I get a 4-4. That's kind of sweet. Like, no, no, it's not sweet. What what time was that? Was that 1999? I mean, that's definitely late enough. It's definitely early enough that I'd be pretty excited. <laughs> up two cards. Like, okay. Um, all right. So, you know, not super excited about that. Although, you know, that last that last clause seems like it it could have it could be interesting uh in some in some scenarios. Yeah, I mean if Obviously, if it turns out there's a, an important thing that I don't know about, that's great. But I don't know what it would be. Nothing, nothing jumps to mind at first glance. Yeah. Uh, Aura Skyclave Hierophant is two white-black for a legendary core cleric. Uh, lifelink, 3-3. Three, three. Whenever Aura or another cleric you control dies, return target cleric with lesser converted mana cost from your graveyard to the battlefield. This is one so of kind of a soul shift kind of. Uh, yeah, we, we've event. seen a few attempts to make clerics sort of happen in this set. I don't think this does it though. Like soul shift is hard to pull off. 
Right. It, it's so many, so many different things can go wrong, right? Evil casting costs, dying in the wrong order, not actually dying, not mattering that you brought your small things back. You know, it's just three few fires for four. I'm not going to do it. It's not good enough. Like, okay. I better see some I'm badass for the card. If I already had an all cleric deck, I'd think about it. But right. I wouldn't like play uh, all clerics to get this, right? Yeah. Uh, Kaza Royal Chaser. Red blue for a 1 2 flying haste. Tap. The next instant or sorcery spell you cast this turn costs X less to cast, where X is the number of wizards you control as this ability resolves. So this yeah. this basically is a like goblin electromancer for one spell the turn you play it. Right? Like I can play this, tap it, and kill one thing with a you know uh fire prophecy on three mana total. There's definitely a certain amount of okay, I'm tapping this. Do you want to start killing things in response? Because if I'm not attacking with it, I must be spending the mana on something, right? Right. Like, must matter. I have to do something. So, Kaza. If it's just the one wizard, this sucks. Right? It's a very bad way to save the mana. Like, Electromancer is so much better. So right. you got to be serious. you got to be playing a lot of wizards. Or I'm not remotely interested. And the question is, how often am I going to knock it off? multiple mana and am i using that right like am i playing a lot of wizards but i also have cards that cost a lot of mana that i could otherwise play that i'm now playing there's a lot of things wrong with this card try and get this payoff but if it actually ends up saving you it's also legendary which means you can't use multiples to just save a ton of mana if this wasn't legendary i'd be much more into it because then you can play a second one on turn three and then suddenly save four mana and play a five drop or something Right, right. You know, but the, now you're only saving one mana in that point, which is nothing. I guess this is just too hard to use. There's too many things that can go wrong. Yeah, it, it, feel, it feels very fragile. Yeah. Um, all right, let's, let's talk about Nissa of Shadow Bows here. Two green-black for a four loyalty planeswalker with landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, put a loyalty counter on Nyssa. Plus one, untapped target land you control, you may have it become a 3-3 elemental creature with haste and menace until end of turn. It's still a land. And minus five, you may put a creature card with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of lands you control onto the battlefield from your hand or graveyard with two plus one plus one counters on. Yeah. So first of all, stop turning our green planeswalkers evil. <laughs> I'm sick of it. It's like a trope at this point. It's like they're stuffing them in the frit. You, you just why do they have to cross the Marvel Event Horizon or something? I don't know. Like we had Baraska, which was already semi-evil. We had the whole Garrick saga. Like now Nessa, really? Why? I'm just, yeah, asking out of curiosity. Doesn't really matter. Yeah. But, so. (sighs) 
Cable and passage, right? Right. So it's turn five. Or it's turn four. It's turn, so it's turn four. You play it. It's my land play or, a fifth land turn. Right, which is turn four, realistically. <laughs> if it's me, it's turn three, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. Most people it's turn four. You're playing a fifth land. No, if they ask me a fifth land, it's turn four, right? If they ask me a fifth mana, it's different. So you play Nissa, you play Fabled Passage, sacrifice Fabled Passage, you minus five, you put down a five drop of plus, two plus one plus one counters on it, and you still have a Nissa. Right? The plus one doesn't do anything, right? The plus one is just I can attack you for three or something. Right. It's like terrible. It's mainly blank. It's just you yeah. get a plus you get to plus one for free if you don't have anything else to do. I don't think you can kill a Planeswalker with it, maybe, or something. But um, this is obviously all about the minus five. It's all about, you know, here's my Elder Gengaroff with two plus one plus one counters on it or something. Ugh. Like, just out of nowhere. I thought he had a great uh. use of plus one plus one counters, by the way, because it doesn't have any, like, trample or flying or anything. Like, there's a lot better. Right. Fi there are five drops that get a lot better, more better than that. Right, if you right. find good five drops. There's a lot of good five drops out there. So I am very curious to see if you can make all of that line up, but yeah, it seems really scary that it's this easy to keep to, to ultimate Nissa immediately and keep her. Yeah. Like that, this that, just that sounds a, insane. Like is this just a huge mistake? I'm just asking. Right. This seems like it might be a huge mistake. This might be a. This might be Oko. I mean, aren't there turns also where you're just going to put four loyalty counters on this? I mean, it might be. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's there's nothing stopping you the next turn. You know, you're like, you know, Fable Passage, cast my, you know, um, you know, Uro, put another land into play. Do something else for another, you know, whatever. I, I, I can realistically, I, I can play three Uro, or four. Uro, Uro is, is Arboreal Grazer. I can play Uro, Arboreal Grazer, especially if all these extra like modal lands and yeah. Fable Passage. Like I can go turn four, Nissa, play land five, Arboreal Grazer, play land six, ultimate, and now I have two blockers, and this thing's still in play. Like, there's a lot of stuff that can go down here. And, like, wow. This is scary. Yeah, like, and again, you can, you can also, again, bring these creatures into play from your graveyard. So if you have any way to, you know, sort of churn through your deck uh, along the way, you could also be reanimating stuff from, from there. Right, like basic, basically turning those into extra cards in hand. Yeah. So the obvious thing to do is you want to play a Soul High deck so you can get Uro because, yeah, you want to set up a turn earlier and you want to have an additional way to play extra lands. And then, you know, let's, let's see what our four and five drops are that just do absurd things and have some fun with it. But... Yeah, I, mean, I I think you should worry about this card. You should worry a lot <laughs> yeah. about this card. 
Right, yeah, the, the, the graphic, I was like, maybe this isn't real. Maybe this is a bad translation, because it, like, it looks a little dark and shadowy on the website. But I see English. <laughs> uh, yeah, this card seems really good. Uh, all right, so we got another Planeswalker, Nahiri, heir of the Ancients. Uh, so it's a legendary Planeswalker, Nahiri, four loyalty, Plus one, create a one-one white core creature token. You may attach an equipment you control to it. Uh, minus two, look at the top six cards of your library. You may reveal a warrior or equipment card from among them and put them into your hand. Uh, the rest on the bottom of your library. And then minus three, uh, Nahiri, heir of the ancients, deals damage to target creature or planeswalker equal to twice the number of equipment you control. So the flavor protector of this is fetch. <laughs> like, she's just trying to make fetch happen here? Like, somehow? It's not going to happen. Like, if the plus one is not saving us a giant amount of mana, this card is terrible. Right? Like, a minus two on a four mana card to find a card on a planeswalker with no protection is so far below standard as be ridiculous a minus three that like kills something if you did if you did enough work also pretty bad and a plus one just create a plus one create a one one very unimpressive so there better be there better be a real equipment deck here we have something like the one mana equip eight plus ten plus ten or something or i don't want to hear about this card this is just a really bad card, unless the deck is there. Yeah. So, so yeah, she has to. She needs everything to go right. She needs. The, she needs the. She needs the whole package. And, and maybe it's out there. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Right. Well, isn't there? Isn't there like some giant like plus ten plus ten equipment that's really cheap to cast and a million mana to equip? It is what I was referring to, right? Like, yes. Yeah. That is like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That has to be something you can do. But again, like. Yeah. Just in the hopes of pulling this off? Yeah. All you have is an 11 11 with no abilities, right? You wanted to give that thing trample, or at least lifelink or something. It's fine. Yeah. And you won't be able to. Yeah. Right. Uh, Omnath, Locus of Creation. This is our last non land uh, from the spoiled card so far. Omnath, Locus of Creation, costs not black to play. So red, green, white, blue. Uh, it's a 4-4 legendary creature elemental. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card. And then it has landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you gain four life if this is the first time this ability has resolved this turn. If it's the second time, add red, green, white, blue. If it's the third time, Omnath deals four damage to each opponent and each planeswalker you don't control. This casting cost is less hard than it looks right now. <laughs> oh yeah, this card, this is not that hard at all. <laughs> it's a pretty easy turn three, reasonably often. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. So, yeah. You're telling me, I play this card before mana. I draw a card. If I get to untap, all I have to do is play a Fable of Passenger and Uro, and I get four life and four mana? Yes. 
and the th- and the 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 the, tri- the triple play is not that hard to do either, right? In many right. ways. No, no, no. Right? Migration path. Is, migration path yeah. does it. There's also yeah. Also, you can just you know, there's a various ways to get pull this off. So it seems very good. Yeah, it's also this, an elemental. This this, yeah. this seems like it might be a messed up magic card. Like, you know what else is an elemental? Risen Reef? Yeah. Is that still in standard <laughs> or is that rotating? I think that's rotating, right? Uh, I think it is rotating. Let's take Good. a look. Because that was kind of scary. If you go turn two, like, if someone goes, like, turn two, Risen Reef, turn three, Omnath, hit a land, trigger the second ability, you know, trigger, 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 you know, I mean, it doesn't trigger anything that important right away, but, like, you know, if you hit a paper passage, you just something get four mana. It's like a white. Right. Top. So, so course that twenty twenty rotates with this yes. set release. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, there is there, there is no elemental deck unless it gets a lot of help. So it's just a random creature that costs like an awkward but remarkably plausible amount of mana. And then like crazy <laughs> stuff happens. Like you have to give up black. Probably you can't really get all five colors. I don't think. But you can right. definitely get four. Right. If it's this sort of because like if you wanted to splash white off of like. A small number of extra triomes and Lotus Cobra and like a bunch of dual face cards. It's not that expensive. But, uh, yeah. All yeah, right. No, Sorry. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. We have to talk about messed up magic cards now. Well, yeah, I'm not sure if you want to call them messed up, but they are really powerful. So we see six of them. I assume there's all 10. Right. The we, pathways. Be a pretty bad thing to do to print some, but not all of them, in my opinion. Right. right. So far, we've seen. So basically, they are they are lands that are on one one face come into play untapped and give you blue, you know, tap for blue, or on the other face, give you black or red or green or. And so we have red black. We have blue black, red green, green white, white black, blue red, and red white. So we have of each type. Of whether it's aligned, out, aligned or opposing colors, uh, we we see examples of both here. Right. So we presume the other four are just reading. Yeah. We, yeah. So, um, so if one of these came into play tapped, the flip side came into play tapped. Would you hesitate to put these cards into all of your two color decks and many of your three color decks? No, you would not. Well, how is that not just a guild gate? Because I'm thinking if one of the two came into play tapped. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, yes. Right? If it was like, well, I can can take the island that isn't isn't technically a basic island, or I can take a tapped mountain that isn't technically a mountain. Like, great, that's an awesome card. Or how about if the mountain isn't even tapped either? You just get to choose. How about a fetch land that costs you no life, but doesn't trigger landfall twice? But still a fetch land that costs you no life. You just get to choose it. Yeah, these, 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 I love these. So I've been playing around in Historic with the Muxus Goblin deck. Yep. And one of the things I don't like about the deck is I feel like it doesn't have enough velocity, and I, I don't like the Goblin Ringleader, right? I, I mean, it doesn't, uh, you know, it's fine, but it doesn't. Uh, and I've tried replacing Ringleaders with Collected Companies, right? Right. Pretty pretty interesting so far, but the mana is a problem because how you know if I want to have four collected companies, how many green sources do I need to have? I've got stomping grounds and rootbound crags pretty easily, 
but do I want forests? No. Well, you can't. You, you know, Wiley got one. You can't. Yeah, and I have Wiley got one in, in the deck, which gives me, which also counts for green. But like to be able to play like Crag Crown Pathway in that deck, just is perfect, right? Like that's exactly what I want. So this is not look, look. We all agree, you know, Clearwater Pathway is not underground sea in many ways. But it's the closest thing we've had since Underground Sea. <laughs> I think. Like, with the possible touch of the fetch lands themselves, right? The untapped Zendikar fetch lands. Like, this yeah. is at worst the third best cycle of dual lands, I think. I'll just go out yeah. and put it there. Like, it's better than the Shocklands, I think. Like, there's no downside, right? Except for not counting as the land types, right? So the, in, in the interaction, when you're fetching them, the other the Shocklands are better. But... If you're not trying to fetch, if you're not fetching lands and you're not doing any of this weirdness, like the only cost of Clearwater Pathway is it doesn't count as a basic island. What if what if they called them? What if what would have happened if they just had these be island mountain? You know, island on one side, mountain on the other side. You can only fetch for the front half. They're not right. Oh, so you only make it for the front side, sure. The second half of the mountain is like kind of I mean. Well, if they counted as basic lands for the filter lands, they're just like completely insane. You know, for the uh, for the you know the the, the friend lands that needed to have one already, that boosts them in historic substantially. Um, right. There are various cards that test for how many islands you have or how many whatever's you sure, have, yeah. and, and like it helps a little. Insane, I think it mostly doesn't matter. I think this is just insane. These cards. Are insane. Way, I I love the flavor of these two. I like the flavor of calling them pathways and like this sort of, like, passage between two lands. You know, uh, the, the, they're very cool cards. I like the pathways. Conceptually. I'm just like, power level's insane, right? Like, you don't... So, so here's the question. So this is the question of the, of the podcast. Are these, are these messed up magic cards or no? Or are they just really, really good? Yeah, like, I mean, I don't know how the land can be a messed up magic card in that sense. Like, is Aaron, I mean, is Tundra a messed up magic card? Like, it's not going to break yeah. things. It's going to make everyone's everything that much easier. Igo is the first messed up magic card. What? Igo is the first messed up magic card. What? My card ape? What? I'm pretty sure the first messed up magic card is Black Lotus, but yeah. Like, so, yeah, I'd say, I'm not sure. It's a philosophical question, but they're definitely not reasonable things. I mean, you can't print these, can you? I guess you just can, but that doesn't feel like you can to me. Like, you just, so now effectively, you know, we're losing, we're losing uh, Ravnica. So we're losing our shock rounds. Right. But our mana is not getting worse. Right. Think of it that way, right? Our mana is not getting worse. These are and, I, and I think I think his, I think historic mana and pioneer mana is just going is gonna be just perfect. Well, think of your twenty think of your twenty-four land historic deck. That's literally twelve shock lands and twelve pathways. <laughs> you just have sixteen sources of every color and all of your lands come into play on tap when you want them. Wow. And you can play a couple triomes if you want to, but that's optional. 
Or they could do our. It was also the Czech lands, if you want, right? But I mean, it's always mapped. Yeah, given these pathways don't count, like maybe you don't want to play too many of them. It's up to you. But if you're playing a two land deck, you've got pathways, Czech lands, shock lands, right? Just to start. For basically, you're basically no cost at that point, right? So, yeah, it's. And also, I think you're going to start, the other mana base you're going to see is the, you know, what makes even better than that is this is a very, very cheap splash. Yes. Right? You will have deck to just splash a third color or a second color or even a fourth color out of nowhere. Also, also, think about this, V. Like, you get to build, let's just say you build a mono-red deck or a nearly mono-red deck, but you have a sideboard card that you really need. You can you can play the appropriate land and just for you know game two uh, play your land a different way. Your first four lands are free. Basically, yeah. your first four sources are free. Shock yeah. lands were not free. This is free. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be really exciting to watch people build with these and see what people do. See what they open up. Uh, last card on the rares and mythics thus far is Crawling Barons. This seems like a pretty good magic card. It's pretty solid. Like the counters stay there, right? And you don't have to expose yes. it until you're ready. You, and you don't, I, right, exactly. You don't have to expose it to removal if you don't want to. Um, you can just put the counters on it and not make it an elemental creature. Right. Uh, right. For for a blue, for a, a control deck that wants to just like play Drago, this seems great, right? You just like every time they don't do anything, you just put two counters on it. At the end of turn instead. And maybe eventually you put four counters on it and then you attack them for twenty at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this card seems really good. I, I like this card a lot. I think it's I think it's gotten overlooked by these new dual lands. Um modal lands if we want to call them that. Uh modal lands. I don't know. It's anyway. also worth noting that the fact that there are so many good duels makes it easier to play Carlos Lands, right? Like, right. you can afford Carlos Lands, like, in these decks now. Even three color decks will often be able to just afford Carlos Lands. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to also see people uh, choose the wrong mode on their lands. Oh, that'll happen all the time, right? <laughs> like, I mean, one, I, really I, pain, yeah. Yeah, one really painful thing with these lands is just the whole, like, okay, I'm keeping my two-land hand after I've logged into six. I need both of these colors. <laughs> and then if I just, I can't not play it, I need the land drop. So, like, I just have to guess, and I lose right. if I guess wrong. Like, yeah. that sucks. Yeah, all right, mean, well... What 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 are the what are the what are the highlights to you so far? Uh, Forty cards in, you know, of in terms so, of rares and mythic. What path, are, what are your the, the pathways are the most exciting thing of all? I'd say, just because yeah. I know what I know what I have here, right? I know one hundred percent what I have here, and I have zeroed out. Um, Omnath's kind of cool, but not like the very top. Anissa is a scary, scary card. Uh, Lotus Cobra, we know is a scary card. Uh, Jace is dumb. Um, and then we have coveted prize uh, to Juru, which need help, but, you know, got potential. I'd say those are the ones that just stand out to me as, 
oh my gosh, right? Like in some form or another. Like there's plenty of, the, the, the hit rate on these cards is very high. Like a lot of these cards are going to do something interesting. And most of them are going to like be interesting somewhere, somewhat. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm excited I'm excited to see what happens. I, I signed up for my pre-release kit from the Complete Strategist. Uh, it's on its way here. I'm gonna play the pre-release with people over, you know, spell table or something like that. So, uh, Zvi, maybe you should also uh, order a pre-release kit. Maybe we can play pre-release. How did this work? They uh, send they send you a kit. And your pre-release kit. You play on the yeah, we just. Yeah, we could just we could just play on spell table or something and stream it. Huh. I had not considered that. Yeah. So uh, you know, and I, I think a lot of local stores are doing that. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, we will we'll be back next week. We'll we'll talk about some more cards as they get spoiled, but also we're going to do a preview show for the Mythic Invitational that is coming up uh, next weekend. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. And I've been playing a lot of historic. I've seen a lot of crazy decks. I have, a, I have some strong opinions and I'd like to, I'm going to run some decks by you and just get a, a we're going to do a sanity check on options in historic. That makes sense. I, I've been, yeah. I've pretty been insane my, options. My games have been actually, uh, I've been drafting Amonkhet when I can. He, they, the, the ladder just reset. So now I get reasonable opponents again. <laughs> I just normally I would love to play against real opponents. The problem being that it's so punishing to not win three games. All right. Sure. So I'd much rather win the three games off of like people who don't know how to play magic very well and then play real games from there, which is more or less what happens when you're low, low end. You win three or four times, suddenly you're playing against like ridiculous decks played by reasonable players. <laughs> and that way you don't just bleed lots and lots of gems. Yeah, but you still get some interesting games. Yeah. All right. So we'll be back next week. But thank you for listening to this episode of Top Eight Magic. I'm Brian David Marshall. He's V. Moshwitz, and we will uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Yep.